0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to MCU Fan Show, episode 263. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, episode four, Is This Not Real Magic?, directed by Kat Coiro and written by Melissa Hunter. And this series was created for television by Jessica Gao. She-Hulk, Attorney at Law is, of course, a Kevin Feige production. Before our spoiler review begins... Want to let you know about Fan Show Plus, that is the podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. And that's where you can hear us talk about extra MCU news, like everything that came out of D23 Expo last week. So as I got home with my head still spinning from the convention on Sunday, I recorded an episode just going through my whole experience and recapping and breaking down all of the news. And Paul and I are going to take a deeper dive on this week's episode of Fan Show Plus, talking about the trailers for Werewolf by Night and Secret Invasion. And the characters that we learned are going to be part of Captain America, New World Order, and Thunderbolts, and just even more of how we feel about the MCU coming out of all the news at D23 Expo. So check that out at Patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Or if you search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there and subscribe so you get those episodes. And then please remember to follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to leave their review. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? It's been too long, my homie. It's been way uh, too long. Way Woo! too long. Way too long. So apologies for this delayed episode four spoiler review. I know you were expecting this at least a week ago, as you should, but uh, it was scheduling conflicts on my end. Last weekend was jam-packed with the expo itself, and then may have said hi to Agatha over in uh, Avengers Campus during the Oogie Boogie Bash on Saturday night, and then back to D23 Expo on Sunday. So just enjoying the whole Marvel experience of it all and getting that news that we will be discussing over on Fan Show Plus. So apologies for this episode coming your way a little late, but the good news is we're going to make up for it. So this week you're going to get the Episode 4 spoiler review and, on time, the Episode 5 spoiler review review. For She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Let's start this spoiler review with episode four. And Paul, this is the episode that brings us to, well, brings brings everyone or brought everyone, it's old now, brought everyone up to right. date with where I was and everybody who saw screeners for She-Hulk. We got the first four episodes. And this is what I was alluding to when I was talking about how there were shifts in the story structure. Of the series that I found very interesting and very enjoyable, how uh, you were even talking about some of these series sometimes feel more like six to nine hour movies as opposed and just in cut up in parts as opposed to true episodes. And then we talked about how in episode three we started seeing more of that television structure, and I was also hinting at as the series progressed having a little bit of comic book storytelling structure. And the very serialized nature of this series, I I really enjoy it and the way these episodes link up while also still being able to tell their individual stories. And what I'm getting at specifically here, if I could just stop being so vague, is how they introduce Wong to be a key part of episode three. But because they've introduced him, now he has a relationship with Jennifer Walters that he relies upon that brings him immediately back into the story. And that's very reminiscent of what comic books do a lot of times when you have Ever since the old, you know, right for the trades style of comic books, where you can have yep. individual issues that are satisfying, but also linking up anywhere from six to nine issues. And that's kind of what this feels like, where it also feels kind of like the Charles Soul She-Hulk run, uh, some of the Dan slot where it had these longer form arcs, but also these mini arcs within it. And that's kind of how this felt, because now you have this two episode arc with Wong, That concludes here, not to say that Wong, or Wongers, uh, won't be back at some point later on in the series, but the way they've structured it to have the ongoing narrative and handing off one episode to the next, keeping certain characters in there, like Wongers, uh, and then being able to advance the much larger narrative of the story, uh, I think is a really, really cool trick, and I love the way that they've done that. So from a structural standpoint... Uh, and it's not just structural as far as my enjoyment of this episode, but the structure of it kind of mimicking the mini arcs within the la- the larger arcs of comic books, uh, specifically She-Hulk comic books, uh, was something that I picked up on and, and really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I, you know, the with episode three of She-Hulk, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that episode. I loved the first two. Third episode was a little just, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't my favorite, you know, and whatever, right? But with episode four, I saw a lot of people kind of r- ranting and raving, and, and for the mostly positive things, but I just kind of was like, okay, whatever. And I saw it, and I gotta tell you, uh, I loved episode four a lot, and I, I didn't even pick up on the comic book idea of like, you know, that one shot idea, but adding like one little thing that's kind of wrapped up quickly can be then carry into the next issue or two episodes or issues down the line. Mm-hmm. That's a great pickup on that. Actually, Sean, I didn't even think about that, honestly. And looking back at it, it was perfect. Cause one of my, one of my major complaints of episode three was how Wong was kind of just in and out. And just kind of felt like, this was like a, Hey everyone, Wong's in this, issue or episode right and here he is there he goes it's like uh you know like that was kind of a waste you know I love Wong now and it it, so when we got episode four it was totally I felt redeemed and actually to be honest I I haven't gone back and watched episode three yet again but it might make episode three better on it for me now Sean because I think the Wong makes more sense now as Mm. far as what you're setting up with him and so I'm like wow okay So, yeah, I, you know, there's I can't we will dig a little bit deeper, obviously, in the episode. But overall, I this was a a complete course correction right back to like loving the show again. And I thought this episode was fun. It really to me, this really shows you, I think, the um, because it really felt like a comic book. That's the one thing I would say, like, and, and I don't mean that because I love the medium so much, but I really did feel like the tone, the pacing because a half hour, you know, episode again, that tight storytelling has mostly, I think, benefited the series, even though that third episode I thought was a little bit lost with the fourth episode. I did feel that it felt so tight and condensed and I love the wrap up of the characters like the the the, uh, the climax of the episode was perfect. I felt and mm-hmm. very fun. It just felt like a, like you said, like a, a one shot issue where it was like you kind know, of one and done, move on to the next episode, but you're still building the old overall narrative. And again, that's not like, obviously the shows like that, like, you know, all of the previous CW shows like Smallville did that. I mean, that's a lot longer and more convoluted because they're longer episodes. But I will say that with that whole like condensed, you know, 30 minute like structure, it's really tight. And I thought that it just, it was flowed really well. I laughed. I laughed a lot in this episode and I just, I loved what we got. It felt like, again, a more diverse MCU that we've gotten as far as like the kinds of stories you can tell. And we'll get more into that later. But I got to tell you, I I think the show has been, is phenomenal. I love it. It might be, it might be one of my favorite MCU shows right now. And I hope it sticks the landing and this is all before Daredevil even shows up. So, I mean, like I, I, I can't wait to break it down a little bit further, but yeah, I, I absolutely just adored this episode.
0: Yeah, this one was so much fun. This is my second favorite episode of the four that, uh, that I was able to screen ahead of time. I talked about how my love of Hulk is just what gives the edge to the first episode, but by no means was that an indication of the other episodes not being as good or as enjoyable uh, not at all, and certainly this is a, a shining example of how this uh, series can be just continue to be so great. I I love this one. I got a huge kick out of it. So much of this is is very L.A. with the Mystic Castle obviously standing in for the Magic Castle in Hollywood, and for all of the shots that this series or this episode takes <laughs> at magicians and at uh, at the Mystic Castle believe me, the folks at Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige included, are big fans of the Magic Castle, and I just love this whole idea of our Earth-based magic going up against and having this rivalry with the quote-unquote real magic uh, with the mystic arts and the MCU. Those two things going up against each other, I thought, was so much fun. And yeah, I think the way this brought things, uh, the the way this carried the story forward You're right, though. I mean, in many ways, it is a one-off adventure, and yet it feels like it's part of a two-part adventure because Wong was just introduced last week, and then it circles us back to all the way the first episode, pointing uh, back in the direction of Titania, uh, with the when She Hulk starts dating and the guy calls back to the fight with Titania in court, which is going to lead us to the end of the episode. It's just really great serialized storytelling. That's framed in a way that feels very reminiscent uh, of the source material, and I thought was uh, done in a very, very clever, fun way that uh, was just a, a total blast. So let's get into the episode and talk about Donnie Blaze, played by Reese Coiro, who's the husband of Kat Coiro, the director of uh, the episodes that we have seen so far, and I think more uh, more to come in the series. Reese Koiro is so good in this episode as Donnie Blaze, and I've been a big fan of Reese Koiro since he was the Allegedly talented, definitely pretentious director of Queens Boulevard on HBO's Entourage, uh, playing the character of Billy Walsh. He was always so much fun on that show and been a fan of his ever since. And to see him in this episode, I got a big kick out of that. But the real MVP of this episode has to be Madison with two N's, one Y, but it's not where you think, as played brilliantly by Patty Guggenheim, This character is just the miracle that can happen when you combine great writing, direction, and performance, I think. And I know that seems like a crazy thing to say about such a character, but it really shouldn't be. If you're paying attention to what happens in this episode and the way they introduce this character and how people feel about her during and then by the end of the episode... And as reflected in so much of the love you've seen of this character as paired with her pal Wongers on social media after this episode came out, it is incredible. When they introduce Madison at the beginning of this show, she's meant to be the obnoxious drunk girl that people have seen at shows from now until the end of time. Not to say they're also obnox- obnoxious drunk guys at shows and stuff like that, but you are meant to, or you think you're being pointed in a direction where you're not supposed to like this character. You're supposed to find them annoying and you're supposed to be almost dismissive of this character in the way that she's presented because she's not being taken seriously at all. And it doesn't even seem like she's taking herself all that seriously, but that ends up being her secret weapon. And you actually see this as a character who knows um, she can navigate herself through a diff dementia in a way that most probably couldn't in the Marvel cinematic universe. And you find this is actually a very endearing and sweet character uh, who knows her stuff, is critical in Wong being able to help prove his case. Uh, And also, she's just a ton of fun and a good pal, even if she spoils shows for you. But I'm a big, big fan of Madison with two N's and one Y, and it's not where you think. I think this is a fantastic, fantastic addition to the MCU. And if Mm -hmm. there's a better duo than Madison and Wongers in the MCU, I haven't seen it.
1: Yeah. So Madison was kind of one of those things where I di- I saw a, p- a little bit online about talking about it. And I'm like, OK, who's- I'm not sure what they're talking about. And then I saw that episode at first. It, like you said, Sean, you're kind of not really you- you're not really sure if you're not supposed to like this character because the way she, you know she pl- uh, plays the character I mean, and the way they write it.
0: Best case and scenario, you're supposed to laugh at this character, right? Like this is best case. How yeah. much you've seen this like a thousand times in a thousand sketches. Wasn't this a character on Weekend Update at one point? There's just the drunk girl uh, or the drunk sure. woman at the bar or whatever. Like you see this all the time and you're just some, you're just supposed to point and laugh at it. And yet mm-hmm. this turns into a character that instead of laughing at, you're laughing with and also loving as like a friend and part of the gang. Like that's that is something that's not easy to do to introduce a character where the audience just thinks exactly what they're spo- assumes what they're supposed to um, about this character, what they've normally been conditioned to assume about a given character, and and then uh, you know Paul's favorite, you subvert those expectations in a very good way, in a very effective oh, yeah. way with how they uh, with how they handle this character. It was awesome to see.
1: Well, and I think that what helps is the chemistry that she has with Wong, like that, because I think isolated with just in the the Mystic Castle and everything, and and which is fine. And her with interactions with She Hulk, it was whatever. But with when you got Wong involved and her, like they had instant chemistry, which you wouldn't think these like two random characters would have chemistry. But like I, as the episode evolved, like you said, you start to I started to like her way more, especially that the tag is. Honestly, I'll be honest, but I I thought she was fine all the way to the tag. I'm like, all right, I'm in Mm -hmm. like the, the tag is what won me over on Madison because it was it was again, you had gone through the whole thing with her. And then you had them, like this kind of a quiet, like kind of a sweet moment as they're talking. About yeah, the Sopran- Oh my god, I love. I think because lo- I'm a huge Sopranos fan. I love the Sopranos, and so when like they're spoiling things, I was like, oh my god, I was dying laughing, and Wong was like, ugh. you know. Yeah. I, I thought it was great, so she started winning me over at that point. Because I'm like yeah, get a huge Sopranos fan, and then at the end when she's like, again, she's not completely drunk. She's just like hanging out in her sweatshirt and her longer are hanging out. I'm like, this is okay. I'm in. I love. I, they need to hang out like on the rig now. So, yeah, I, I I'm in. I'm I'm not as probably as love in love with her as a lot of other people are, but I definitely like like the character a lot. And I think that there's the how you could write this character and, and not evolve it. Necess- you could I mean evolve, yes, but you know what I mean, like not go crazy and make her like a super serious character, but Keep her in the MCU. There's lots of fun things you could do with her now and interject her in different parts of the MCU and make it fun. Like, I think there's there's room for that now. And I would love to see her interact with the, these characters because now she has an in, right? She has oh, yeah. Wong. Well, she's, so, with, she's hanging out with Wong, too. who's
0: the character who shows up in almost everything in Phase 4 right now. So. Mm-hmm hanging out with Wong is certainly going to create opportunities for Madison to be in the story quite a bit in the MCU. And I don't know where or when she's going to pop up again, but I'm pretty sure she is based on the response to this performance. And uh, it, as and the response is well-deserved, at least the positive, <laughs> the positive end of it for sure is well-deserved because it's such a great performance. It's also so well-written. Everything about it is great. She had me at Diff Dimensch and then uh, just totally sealed it with, yeah. with Wong- When she shouts out Wongers, I was like, okay, that's it. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. I, I also love that. Uh, I just love that Wong is sitting there in Comartage, like binging The Sopranos, and then eventually, This Is Us. I just thought was uh, was a lot of fun. And because, uh, yeah, how did all that happen? Well, Donnie Blaze, he used to be at Comartage and he had a sling ring to show for it. And he uh, was opening up a portal, and that's what happened. And I, and I love her reaction to the portal—just ew—when she looks back into it. And her recap of what happened for Wong, like how she was in this different, this diff dimension with goblins, and had to negotiate a way out with this goat who ends up being named Jake, this talking goat, uh, for like several drops of her blood or something like that, was just it was hilarious. Uh, totally love it. Could call,
1: and they and they could call back to that too, because I mean that's oh, yeah. the cool thing about what what they did. That you you kind of very very um, uh, slyly can now go back to that and open that up with either with more She Hulk or whatever. And play on that idea that where she, you know, what she did, we don't know. So that you can always go back to that and and, kind of see like, you know, because they're obviously they could go after her now. Like, right, like there's, yeah. there's get there now have a relationship like, you know, for whatever reason, her blood could be like magical and they'll want more. I mean, like there's lots of really fun, I think, story ideas you could do with that now, too. So yeah. which I a lot was interesting. Like, her I business love-
0: relationship with Jake is what's going to save the MCU in the multiverse I, saga. Just, I,
1: you know, I mean, you never know. I mean, It's true. Like that, right? Hey, I mean,
0: that, you had a rat that saying. helped save the universe in Avengers Endgame. So, you know, you, you, you never know what can happen. So uh, let's get back to the star of our show, Jennifer Walters, and she doesn't want us to forget it. She acknowledges that uh, we all love Wong. I love that she calls him Twitter armor for a week. Uh, is awesome and very true. Uh, it's hard to hate an episode with Wong in it. It just is. Um, hard to hate anything with Wong in it because the character is so amazing. But uh, Jennifer is uh, dealing with the aftermath of the attack we saw at the end of episode three. Her dad is there with new locks pepper spray, and a shovel. Don't worry about why, just it's there when they need it, uh, so we can all imagine. But she reminds him that she's a Hulk, doesn't really need any of that protection, but she does need a date. She's looking for a date, and Nikki is also telling her she needs new clothes, which we have the benefit of knowing sets up uh, episode five uh, a little bit. But also, Jennifer Walters creating a dating profile is going to set up what comes up later on in the episode, because as you might have guessed, the Jennifer Walters dating profile not so popular, not a lot of bites there, uh, but there will be more when she creates a different dating profile, which is also key in the next episode. Uh, but Wong shows up in Jen's office, wants to sue because the mystic arts are not for amateurs or washouts like Donnie Blaze. But Wong, all he has is the pledge that new students at the at Comartage make to not misuse the mystic arts and all of those things. But as Jen points out, he didn't get it in writing. So that makes it uh, a little bit tough. So in our uh, advanced legalese that we get <laughs> in, the, in this series, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's the weakness right there in Wong's case. But Nikki is there as Jen is recapping all this and the challenge that is in front of her. Nikki is ready for dating advice, wants to see Jennifer's matcher profile, and uh, says hetero life is grim, because Jennifer's not getting having a lot of luck there, and so that kind of sets up what'll happen later. Uh, meanwhile, at the Mystic Castle, we see uh, Donny Blaze and another MVP of the episode, Cornelius P. Willows, played like Leon Lamar, uh, and uh, then he is served with a, uh, a cease and desist, because they just can't continue on with all this magic. It's going to end badly, and it does uh, in this episode. But all of this stuff... Paul, I thought it was good bringing Wong back into the episode and having him and his point is real. Like I know it's it's silly and it's comedy and, and there's a lot of there's a lot more laughs to be had when things do go badly. But it is grounded in something that in the MCU for its own version of reality, it is very real. Like it is a problem that somebody right. who used to be at Comartage could have a sling ring and try and use it casually without knowing how to do it. Uh, for real. And we've just seen, even with pros like Doctor Strange and Wong, things can go very, very wrong and have very dire consequences. And they play it off in a real slash silly way in this episode, which I think totally works. But it also stays consistent with what you say are the stakes of these things in the MCU. And not that Donnie Blaze's mistake at the end was world ending, but in theory, it could have been were it not for Wong and She-Hulk. So it's a tricky thing to do to balance the the silliness and the comedy that you want to be here while also maintaining some authenticity to to the stakes as you've defined them for the Mm -hmm. mystic arts in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think they pull it off because I had a lot of fun Mm -hmm. with this, but I didn't walk away from the episode feeling like, I guess mysticism doesn't really matter or have any consequences in the MCU. All of that still holds up uh, in spite of all the silliness. It, It all works and it all balances out.
1: Well, I think part of the, the strength of the show and I think of the TV shows in general of having this massive continuity is you can really flesh out the quote unquote real world ideas of, well, how would mysticism be perceived as to like normal people and to like the government and, and things like that? I mean, obviously w- with a big giant grain of salt, but you get what I'm saying. Like it, the show is going to be able to address things like the, you know, I wouldn't say like the Soviet Accords necessarily, but something along those lines of, as we're going to be getting like, again, costume making and what all these new heroes and different levels of different people, because and I said that before, I think the strength what I'm really excited to see what the show will bring us is like what the what the these superheroes will affect the rest of the world and how that, you know, what that does to everything. So I think um this is this is a great example of that, Sean, where you got to see an idea of of. How the sorcerer side is being perceived in the court of law a little bit and also how other people like, again, like might have more power than they should like Donnie Blaze and what that might mean and what what kind of chaotic uh, chaos can come out of that and, and what that means for, you know, just kind of the real world kind of idea. And we got we got a little glimpse of that. And I think that's the strength of what She-Hulk and these other shows can do is they can kind of go in a little deeper and kind of show you how things work a little bit functionally in that point. Like, well, what would happen if this happened? Like, now you don't have to wait for, you know, a movie to address it in, like, a side note or, like, do side quote unquote, um, ancillary material like a Star Wars would, because we have the comics and whatever. But now these TV shows, you can kind of go and address those issues and have them be a part of the story, especially with She-Hulk, because it's not really like a the whole episode format is more tailored to that uh, as far as being you know contained stories. That's the cool thing about this now. And I think this is a great example, uh, a small example that you can go even bigger, I think, and really kind of flesh out some ideas and how functionally things work in the MCU. And I think that's what we're getting a little bit more of with she Hulk. And that's why I think one of the things I love about it is that we're going to see these, we're going to see how things are fleshed out and understand them. And we have fun with them and learn about them. And, and I think the biggest thing is see different heroes introduced through this because of these different avenues that, She's being, you know, brought in. So I think the whole Donnie blazing with Wong and they, the, the whole, you know, inter, you know interaction, everything was great. So yeah, this was, this was, this is more, I love the world building. Cause this is world building, right? It this is. is exactly, this is all about building the MCU and that's what we all love. The MCU has been built up over so many years, so many different movies, but the TV shows now are even doing more world building. And I think that's what's really uh such a strength to the Marvel brand is that it's just it, there's so much to build from. So uh, yeah, I love the world building in this episode.
0: Yeah, and I think it does what a lot of comic books have done including a lot of She-Hulk comics over the years where it's just here are these things you don't you maybe I don't know. You don't either. Don't think about, or if you do, you don't spend that much time thinking about them. Unless that's just your thing for the MCU, is you start considering. And same thing for uh, the Marvel six one six universe and the comic books, is that you just think of all of these things. Of these are the sorts of things that just kind of have to come up, right? Like if you have wizards, if you have masters of the mystic arts, then what about what about the people who don't make it all the way through from Kamertage? And it's not always a, a Mordo situation who made it all the way through and then, you know, of course, left after a philosophical disagreement. It's the it's characters like this where it it doesn't seem as serious and it is kind of just inherently funny, but also is still a real issue that needs to get resolved. And so I I love that there's a show like this that has an opportunity to to address some of those things. Um, And then also just dive into Jennifer Walter's life, which I think we start to see Becoming uh, well, we don't. We're not even starting to see it. We've been seeing it. This is the fourth episode, but obviously, with her character arc in a lot of this is accepting and embracing her identity as She-Hulk and what that means. And she's of course been resistant to it. She became She-Hulk and and did the superhero thing because she had to against Titania in the first episode, and then in order to have a job, she's had to be She-Hulk while she's at work during during the day as a lawyer. But she's only really been She-Hulk as much as she's had to be. Uh, Meanwhile, she feels like that's taken away from the rest of her life, which is why she feels guilty, right? Like after she goes through these bad dates and that bad date that they showed was absolutely hilarious um, when she dates the dude who's uh, the the guy who is just a true New Yorker through and through because he lived there for a whole 14 months And he is an entrepreneur without an idea, also without the ability to pick up a check. So uh, all of that and and the check stare that they did at the end of the date was classic. I absolutely love that. But the fact that now it it points her in the direction of, well, if my dating life as Jennifer Walters isn't any good, let's see what happens when I'm She-Hulk and even admits that she's not proud of it. But we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Let's get to Wong's day in court because his key witness is Madison, who comes in, Wongers and all, and (laughs) tells him or asks him if he got pulled over for texting. Just say you were texting 911. They can't prosecute. That was hilarious. Uh, And then uh, when she hands her drink to the bailiff, like, you can finish it if you want. I'm not sick, which was gross, but hilarious. And uh, so we find out more about her story, made a deal with a demon named Jake. That was the talking goat. And as she's asked to recap her experience, at first it was fun, then scary, then funny again, then fun again, then spooky, but in a fun way. Just awesome. And as I said, this whole real magic versus the mystic arts in the, the quote unquote real magic versus the mystic arts in the courtroom uh, was really, really funny. Uh, just a great setup for this. But Wong does outline the stakes. And so that's where the serious part of it. and. I think that's where the grounded authenticity of it comes in with this plot. the plot of this episode is that what Wong is after here, as much fun as we're having, it's still a very real thing, a very real point that he's making. But it's really hard for him to say that he just owns magic or that the masters of the mystic arts own magic. So uh, the case does not go well, but it will continue. Meanwhile, uh, and I also love that when they find out that uh, Cornelius... And Donnie's attorney is also a magician, uh, played by Mike Benitez, just so freaking funny. Um, and I love how Reese exit the courtroom with his magic trick to flip Wong off. Like, I also have a bird. And then Madison just closes out the scene perfectly. Wongers, can we get Froyo? And he doesn't want to do it, but then she says, we can talk about Sopranos, and now he wants to do it, and then she delivers another spoiler. Uh, so all of that, I thought, was just, uh, it was hilarious. I mean... As I, as I said before, Madison Madison King, the real MVP of, of this episode. Um, and remember, that is an award for the MCU Fan Award. So not that mm. I'm campaigning for anyone to win that award, but Madison has to be the front runner. At least she is in my book. Uh, I mm. love this courtroom scene.
1: Yeah, this is more world building, kind of bringing that whole idea we were talking about before. And I think that, again, this is where I think the strength of the show that I thought was going to happen, that I thought was missing in the third episode, was back again now with this. And I loved all this. And again, the Madison stuff, her talking about the whole spooky thing, which again, I, I there's, there's so much potential there. So I, 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 really think that they could bring her back and have a lot of fun with that with the sea Hulk season two or, or a different movie or whatever. So yeah, love the stuff. Again, more world building and kind of building up the MCU in a different light than we're used to in the, in the, the films.
0: Very much so. And so let's get into the dating life of She-Hulk. We know it didn't go so great for Jennifer Walters. Not as uh, better, but still not great as She-Hulk, because she goes on a series of dates. Uh, one uh, named Derek, as played by former WWE superstar for, uh, for a little while, David Otunga. Um, we also see a, a fan named Todd, who we will see again, played by John Bass, who's just... Uh, Got a little bit of a superhero fetish or maybe maybe more than a little bit. And it's just kind of gross and creeps Jennifer out. And who can blame him or who can blame her? Uh, But the successful date, or so it would seem, at least initially, is with pediatric oncologist Arthur, played by Michael Curiel. But I I just the dating sequence, I thought was was funny. And then, of course, you She-Hulk gets a date that finally goes well, which means it's destined to be interrupted as it is with Wongers, because there he was trying to watch This Is Us and then realizing there was a problem because at another magic show, things went bad for Donnie Blaze, and now demons are there in the Mystic Castle. So Donnie recruits Wong for help. Wong recruits Jennifer Walters because he needs a Hulk, and she is one. And so Jen's date being interrupted was just, I mean, that was almost Peter Parker luck and that she finally has a win uh, but doesn't get to hold on to it. And uh, all of that stuff I thought was really funny. And I think what I like about the dating stuff besides the silliness of it, as I said, there's it's still on point, like it still matters to the journey of Jennifer Walters for all the laughs that we're having. There's a very real grounded emotional experience for her in her journey to embracing this part of herself because she's embarrassed by it. As she even says, I'm not proud of this creating a dating profile as She Hulk, but maybe there's a part of her that will learn that she's more proud of this than she thinks, and maybe when that is threatened next week, uh, it, it continues. But I think that is something that has been uh, so enjoyable about this series is having this character struggling with this, who's had so much pride in herself and her career, and now it's not necessarily what she thought it would uh, would would be. But there is this calling that's there. And I know the dating part of it maybe isn't as serious as the whole superhero of it, of it all in terms of world-ending stakes and stuff like that, but it still matters to her and her journey as a character, and I think that's what makes it so rich. In addition to all the funny stuff that goes on, all the absurdity that's part of this show, it works because it's still emotionally grounded, and that was uh, part of the another strength of this episode.
1: Yeah, I, I think w- one of the things that my... Um, my brother kind of talked about it. He, he liked She-Hulk from what he'd seen and he was like, I, I, want, I want, to see more weaknesses of the character. And I, you know, and I'm, I i did not really comment back to him as we were doing something. And, and I, one of the things that I liked that I think is a weakness of the character, and I say not weakness, like, you know, like this is a bad thing of the character, but again, you know, some, a flaw of the character that, you know, to relate to is that I didn't respond to was identity and i think one of the things of of jennifer you're seeing is her struggling to be who she, who is she because her boss wants her to be she hulk at at by day and to be that face and then she has to be she hulk in there and then also the dating scene and is she hulk and jen different are they different are they so much different um and i think that's what we're we're building towards and right now they also haven't built up enough, I think, with with other villains at this point to really go into like what her flaws is like you know, even more so. But to me, her flaw of not knowing who she is and trying to, and struggling with that, that's where the relatability is. When you you lose yourself when like getting work life or whatever, right? And so I like this aspect. It's it's not like banging your face, you know, necessarily. Like it's like, you know, hitting you over the head with it, I I would say, Sean. But I like where they're going with this, with with the whole dating scene and everything that we're getting this with um, with all that, because I think there's there's a there's a good they're they're doing a good job building the character enough to where I think Jen's going to come to that conclusion. I think she's going to come to the conclusion that, you know, she Hulk and Jen are the same person. And I think that's going to be important for her to embrace that and embrace herself. And I think the whole idea of embracing who you are and not being, you know, and not being a, you know, and standing up for yourself in, in different instances. And that's one thing I think that it's uh, also interesting is that She-Hulk can stand up for herself because she's physically strong, but Jen can't. But Jen also has to learn that she can do that on her own without being She-Hulk, right? That's kind of the, the being a, a stronger character. And I think that's, I'm hoping that happens. And I think, I think that's where we're, that's where we're going. Um, but I, I like what we're getting with this because I do see the differences and I do see that there's, there's, there's progression in the character. I think in Jen, and especially in this episode, I we will get to that eventually, but I, I, I liked where we're getting with this because Jen, I do feel sorry for Jen because I, I like Jen a lot. I've connected to Jen because she seems like a good person. She's just struggling with trying to c- cope with what she's has right now and the world that she's now in. And so I think there's a lot of really interesting things are dealing with this. I think from an, uh, an emotional standpoint, that's not typical. We're getting from a typical MCU film, um, in, in that way. Cause because of the episode structure and how many episodes we get, et cetera. So, but yeah, I, the dating stuff's all a lot, a lot of extension of that, obviously in building up towards that. And I, I thought they were great uncomfortable to be honest. I, I haven't dated in a long time. So it's, it's, I just looks like a nightmare to be honest. So, um, yeah, I I love uh, I love this because we're it's went from world building. Now we're going we're going to character building in a fun like funny way. But I think it's also going to lead, which leads to I think serious stuff in later in the episodes and hopefully the, the later season.
0: Yeah, and I really like the way they call stuff like that out. I mean, even in the big battle scene with all the demons, which is awesome, by the way. And I thought that was just. So cool. I mean, it's very Gremlins-esque with the way these things multiply. Absolutely. When when you think you've killed one, that just means they've gotten bigger and just become, of course, a, a bigger problem. All of that I thought was great. But just when we talk about this identity part of it, when Wong recruits Jen to be there and she's like, she just says, I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to be doing here. And he just shouts back, be a Hulk. And then she springs into action and she and Wong are able to save the day. And also, I like the way that this creates the resolution and gets Donnie Blaze and Cornelius P. Willows to agree to the terms of their cease and desist, because really, their legal argument wasn't sound, so might as well take advantage of this situation uh, to get them to agree to the terms. So now they finally have it in writing, and Jen is able to get get back home just in time to hook up with Arthur. But Really great action sequence uh, that was a lot of fun, but still speaks to, like, she's so reluctant to the superhero thing that even when she is literally called into a superhero situation, it doesn't even occur to her that the main thing she's supposed to do is step in right here, or step up and be a superhero because she is resisting this so much. But I think that comes back into it even in the next scene the following morning, when Arthur sees Jennifer Walters wondering who this is, because it's not the woman he went to bed with, and he's not a fan, he bolts. So my, hopefully, he's nicer to his patients than he was to uh, Jennifer Walters, because their patients are definitely uh, requiring sensitivity that he appears to lack in this scene. But anyway, I think with the way this, epi- with the way that speaks to Jennifer Walters' experience, there's this interesting thing, right, where. Jennifer Walters gets rejection from so many places, whether it's jobs or men that she's dated or whatever the case may be. And meanwhile, She-Hulk is loved by the world, loved by everyone outside of herself, but not necessarily loved and embraced by Jennifer Walters, or at least not in a way that she is aware of, like on the surface. And so I think that's a really interesting setup for what she's going through emotionally. And I think it's just it continues to get new layers added to it each and every week that make it that much more compelling. And so they're doing real stuff here as they uh, as they have all this silly fun. And that's why it's not just a wash of, oh, we had a good time and and we move on. I definitely had a good time watching this episode, but I also feel like it, it resonates in some really interesting ways as you get a chance to just invest in this character and have some empathy for her and her experience. That's all that just enriches everything. But uh, we have to end the episode and we tend to end on not always good news for Jennifer Walters. So last uh, last week in episode three, she was physically attacked. Now she's being attacked by the legal system. Titania is suing her over the name uh, She-Hulk. And I love her reaction to it kind of as she talks to us out of the episode Kind of a bummer, kind of a bummer way to end this episode. I bet there's a fun tag. And she's right, there is. That's a promise that is fulfilled as we see what you referenced earlier, Paul. Wongers and Madison watching This Is Us and they're talking drinks. Wong is talking about vodka and yak milk and then when it gets to the subject of his favorite drink, it's gin and tonic. And Madison is excited by that and I love the little smile from Benedict Wong as Wong here, like, Just him, because Wong has had to be kind of the the straight man in this, right? Like, he hasn't been able to have the fun that Madison gets to have. But here's a moment where Wong breaks and just gets to have fun with it and just enjoy being pals, hanging out here with Madison. All of that, I just, I absolutely love. I, I love the two of them together. They are so much fun. Whether they're talking Sopranos, This Is Us, or Gin and Tonic, doesn't really seem to matter. Any subject, I just I, this pairing is just so good, and uh, I mean that was a really really fun tag. and And you're right, like it it puts the perfect button on this episode and uh, the miracle of Madison King because she was uh, she was so great in this episode, and and this uh, this tag just just puts the perfect touch on it to end it. I mean, I'm yeah. sure she'll be back somewhere else in the series and, and other places in the MCU, but. Uh, she deserved this opportunity to close out the show, and and she did so in terrific fashion.
1: Yeah, I I think for the whole episode, I loved the demon things at the end. That was hilarious and fun. Again, this kind of stuff I we don't get to really see and have like, <clears throat> kind of go, kind of have a fun romp, basically, you know? And I think there, in the midst of like serious things, like I think the identity ideas we just talked about, but we were fighting like little pig demons, you know, at the very end, and like with Wong and and I, I, I just I'm laughing out loud because there's really clever things. And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, this is so good. This is so good. And I I'm having a blast. And I thought this is the kind of stuff that we need more of in the MCU. And kind of again, we can kind of go out there a little bit, Sean, without being again, without having to invest, million, you know, a whole movie to do it, right? Like you actually, that's the one thing I think where the TV series on Disney plus are such a benefit and that we're getting such different kinds of stories and fun stories and we don't have to always do the same things. And I think, I think this bodes well for series in general, to be honest, because I think now this will kind of show the MCU, it, not just with She-Hulk, but like, oh, you know what? We can kind of dive into different ideas now, maybe a little bit with it, because She-Hulk, I think, is barring a couple things here or there, has been pretty, has been pretty positively received, to be honest, without people being review bombing it, to be honest. And I think, like most people, have been like, yeah, like. Yeah, people can complain about the same things like She-Hulk looks – or CGI is whatever. But that's – to me, the stories have never been the problem. I think if people were complaining more about the stories like, show, sure, whatever, do this, or this story is this, and this story is so bad because this – no one's complaining about that as far as I can tell. I mean, sure, there's a, there are a small minority here or there. But it feels like the people overall of getting the stories and what they're kind of, the kinds of stories are telling, that's not a problem. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that that's only going to benefit other shows going forward. But, yeah, I, I love this episode. I think it's great. Everything about this episode, episode is great. Madison Wong at the end was, a, again, a perfect button on the episode. and uh, I can't wait to talk about the next one.
0: Nor can I. And we don't really have to because we're going to record Woo-hoo! it right after we record this one. So that is it for our She-Hulk episode four. She-Hulk Attorney at Law, excuse me. Episode four, spoiler review. Make sure you check out Fanshow Plus at Patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Or on Apple Podcasts, search for Fanshow Plus or MCU uh, the MCU Fanshow channel. So you can find it there. And here's talk about all that extra MCU news coming out of D23 Expo and other things that we talk about on a weekly basis over on Fan Show Plus. So be sure to check that out. And then also check us out on our socials. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget that review, uh, that rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And a thank you to those of you who have already left your review. Paul, where can they find you?
1: Can please find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's aka P Thug. Also, please go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Comic Binge. I just released a special Daredevil episode talk and talking about and preparing for Daredevil's eventual debut into the official MCU canon. And uh, we talk about Daredevil Yellow by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. So that was a great episode. Um, if I do say so myself. And uh, yeah, check me out there. I'll I really appreciate uh, some, you know, like some videos, subscribe helps me get out there. And uh, yeah, uh, check me out on Twitter.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Uh, also for Wongers and for Madison with <laughs> Madison with two N's and a Y, but it's not where you think. Uh, thank you for listening to for listening to this edition of MCU Fan Show. Take care. We will see you next time.